Hey dads, you are listening to Abba Father Podcast, where we discuss how the Bible and theology informs and equips us as parents. We believe that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father and apply His teaching, the better it makes us as dads. In this episode, we are diving into a series we call Bad Dad, where we mess up and learn from our Father how to make it right. I'm Matt. I'm Brando. And I'm Cameron. Today, we are joined by another fellow dad, Ian Wallum. Hi, Ian. Hello. (laughs) Good to be with you guys. I guess just a little bit about me. I'm a dad recently, as in six months ago, of four children now. We had twins in June. Um, So life is a little hectic right now. Um, My other kids are, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. All girls, except for one of the twins is a boy. So um, got a lot of uh, screaming in the house, but... (laughs) <laughs> but hey, that's uh, that's that's what it's like being a dad sometimes. So yeah, and a lot of screaming and lots of kids can cause a, a lot of different emotions. Absolutely. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about anxiety. Before we get started with our story, we want to spend a moment to talk about anxiety. There are two different kinds of anxiety we're going to discuss today. Anxiety is that state of feeling overwhelmed, fearful, super stressed, worried. And then there's anxiety, which is a clinical disorder of persistent and excessive fear, stress, or worry that really interferes with your daily life, interferes with your work and your personal well-being. If you find yourself in that second category, please seek professional help from a licensed medical professional skilled in mental health. Uh, So my journey with anxiety, um, I think specifically as a parent, uh, is something that I only started dealing with this year. Um, and I'm really glad that Matt mentioned the difference between like just feeling overwhelmed and fear, fearful and super stressed versus clinical anxiety. Um, because something that I walked through this year is actually really sort of towing the line between those two areas. Um, I don't have one specific story and I really wish I did. I, but I have these moments in time that really express a lot of what I was going through. Um, a lot of you dads out there might even be feeling like this, but 2020 has been an incredibly difficult year for many people. Um, and I think one of the biggest things with that is having to stay home. If you were in um, a job situation where all of a sudden you were out of work and you were quarantined and you were at home or whatever that story is for you. Um, you might be short on money. You might be spending a lot more time with your family in ways that you maybe weren't before. And it can be a little overwhelming. Um, or maybe something with your job changed, um, because of health code regulations in your area, whatever that may be. Um, those are a lot of the things that, um, were affecting me this year. On top of the fact that since we just had twins, my wife and I decided that she was going to be a stay-at-home mom now, um, which was a huge change in our life. 
So as I started to experience some minor anxieties, um, I just was ignoring them because I was like, ah, you know what? We just got to get through life. We just got to get through life. Um, as, as a job, I am a performer um, in the town where I live at a professional theater. And all of a sudden, I found myself one day right before we were supposed to start our, sec- our second show that day. I just was feeling a rush of adrenaline. My heart was beating fast. I didn't want to go on stage. And I remember calling my dad and telling him, I can't do this. I, I can't do it. I-, I-, I can't go on stage. I can't go do my job. Which started a whole flood of dad duties running through my head of like, this is my job. It pays the bills. I can't take care of my kids. I can't take care of my wife. I can't. I mean, it was, this is that line where I'm talking about between those little things that are overwhelming versus that clinical anxiety. Because when we ignore those little things for too long, that's where we start going into that threshold of clinical anxiety because where clinical anxiety starts is that repetition in the brain where you actually have a toxic thought and it takes root and it grows and it becomes a part of your physical brain. And that is what I was dealing with. Um, To not make this into an hour long story because it really could be um, how it started affecting me at home as I was walking through that um, was The stress caused by my four children, the new children, babies, which really is something that I am not very good at. (laughs) Um, It started to overwhelm me to the point where, I mean, I remember one time my wife handed me my son and I held him for like a few minutes, but then I just told her like, I, I don't want to hold him. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, I, I just. I, I can't. And it was something I'd never felt before. I'd never felt that with, with any of my other kids. Um, and, it, and it really scared me in that moment because mm-hmm. it, it made me start to feel like I was a bad dad because I didn't want to hold my kid. And I had this desire to help my wife. I had a desire to be helpful, to be good in like the logical part of my brain. But the emotional part, the uh, adrenaline, the, that, that racing heartbeat, the headaches, the, the body aches, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, I'd wake up in the morning, sometimes having an adrenaline dump right away, where I just had this heightened sense of awareness, this palpitation right away in the morning. And I had a hard time helping make breakfast. I had a hard time. I didn't want to play with my kids. But yet my wife was so occupied with these twins that someone needed to be with the other kids. And I just, I had no desire and I had to fake it. I found myself faking smiling around my kids. So I realized that I needed help and I did um, seek counseling at that point. Um, And I know we can get into a lot of this later, um, but I guess those are some of the things that I went through that led me to seeking help because I knew that I was in far too deep at that point. Um, and I wasn't going to just dig this, dig my, dig myself out on my own. Ian, we appreciate you coming on and talking through these things with us. This yeah, time. I'm happy to do it. It's actually weird talking about it. Actually, it's kind of weird. Some of it brings up some of those emotions, which is like, mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah. 
feeling tiny, tiny bit of anxiety right now. But like, I've been, I'm excited to talk about this um, later, but I've been doing um, a lot of self-help recommended by my counselor at church that has really transformed me in this journey. So, um, Ian, could you share a couple of those minor things that you ignored that really, like you said, you allowed a toxic thought to take root uh, just from repetition um, without getting, you know, more personal than you want to. Like what might that look like for other dads that might be trying to figure out where do I fall in this? How close am I to needing to seek out some help? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll relate it to my job. My job was a place where it happened a lot. Um, so I would be performing on stage and I would have, let's just say, let's say my stomach would be off, you know, whether it was indigestion or just general little worry. Um, I would immediately go like hypochondriac on that where I was thinking like, Oh, there's something wrong with me. Hmm. Um, I gotta say, and I know, um, Matt and his profession can, can speak to this, but like, stay off of WebMD, y'all like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like stay Clear. off the internet. If you feel anything like, don't look it up. Call someone who knows more than you and <laughs> just <laughs> don't look it up on the internet. And, I, I did, I had to, um, so some of those things, here's another little thing. Um, let's say you find yourself getting stressed out by the news. Okay. Well, delete the news apps on your phone. You don't need to know the news every day. You are not going to die if you don't know what's happening in DC right now. Um, and if it's really that important, uh, have someone in your life. It's like, Hey, if something huge happens, just let me know. (laughs) But, um, you, you don't need all those notifications. Um, I tried just keeping a local news app on my phone and I'm telling you every other story is someone died in a car accident. And for me, I live on a road that is, uh, one way, uh, one, one lane either way. Like I've taken one of those state highways and I take it in the dark all the time and it's windy. And it's like uh, reading a story about someone who crashed their car on the way home and died is not really comforting to a father of four. Um, and if, if those little things bother you, then just delete the app. Basically, to sum all that up, if you're having these little thoughts like, oh, I could die on the way home, every time you think about that, as you are ruminating on that, if you don't change that toxic thought that's where it becomes something that becomes a problem that's where you start going into that line of it being clinical where it becomes an obsession and you can't get it out of your head and then that you know so that's where taking those little things um and being able to change them early is better for your mental health sometimes they kind of anxiety would keep you from wanting to um, participate in the parenting side of just even holding your son. Um, what other aspects of parenting did you, where do you get impatient or get angry, lash out, um, 
push anxieties like onto your kids, like that obsessive thought or that worry that you had, you were then worried that the kids were, you know, being fearful that something would happen to them or happen because they were doing something. Did was, was any of that, how, how much of that got transported into being a dad and also like to your kids? I would say it was more, um, thankfully not putting it on them. Um, I, I never had a point where, like what you're saying, like I felt like there was a transfer of anxiety to them um, in any way, whether learned from me or just, you know, feeling my tension. But um, I very quickly figured out that my kids were triggering a lot of stress and anxiety. And what I tried to do was just let my wife know that I needed a break and I would go be by myself for 10 minutes. Um and how I would know that I needed a break is I would start feeling this tightness in my chest as the stress level grew. Um, and I was, I was irritable. I was very quick tempered with my kids. I mean, it was like, if there was one scream, I was, I was like, stop it now. You know, just really, I was, I was attacking the problem very quickly, very aggressively. Um, I say thankfully only verbally because I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who's going to be physical or anything with my kids, but that's not good for their psyche either way. But it's still that yeah, that's that's how it was. It was just, it was very quick, very abrupt. You know, kind of like no warning shot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I have struggled with anxiety for a very long time as well. I don't know that uh, I don't know that I knew that's what it was for a long time though. Uh, I was diagnosed with uh, OCD about seven years ago now. It's a it's classified as an anxiety disorder. I would have these thoughts that would come in and wouldn't go away and now it mostly manifests itself as uh, as me trying to uh, I, I just notice I may not even notice what the thought is, but I notice my tension level increase and I notice my ears get hot and my blood pressure goes up and I'm real short and, uh, and, and real irritable with my kids and my wife. And I have got to, yeah, I, I, I get out and I go for a walk or unfortunately my, I think my son is starting to, uh, maybe not deal with it. It's not, it's necessarily an anxiety thing for him though it might be but he seems to he seems to have a short fuse with his little sister all the time now he kind of any little slight and he's yelling at her um partly i think because of the example of his dad and and his, and my my anxiety of being uh on edge all the time someone described i described to somebody as like i i feel like i'm just on low boil at all times. And at any time, the slightest thing can just make the pot boil over. Yeah. Dealing with that. It's, it is a very fine line that you kind of go on one side or the other of, is this just an emotional issue or is this, is this me not trusting the Lord and asking and asking him for gentleness and patience enough? Or is this, me having some sort of brain issue that needs uh, medical intervention. That's a, that's a fine line that you, you dance on either side of it. 
but my kids, I've seen them definitely affected um, negatively by my anxiety and my tension. Yeah, that's one thing I was curious about is as someone who's in ministry full time, like, you know, asking myself the question, hmm, have I really given this to the Lord? Have I prayed over this for, you know, a set period of time? Before I then can move to, oh, okay, this is more serious than just, you know, personal discipline in, in you know, spiritually speaking. So, yeah, that's something I was curious about that maybe other dads would think through as well. Like, well, I can't honestly say that I prayed about this for 10 days straight. So, until I do that, is, you know, is that all this yeah. is? I think that's a good point. And we... I think we have some pretty clear scripture um, that addresses anxiety. Yeah. And we should jump in and see what our Father has to say about it. I think that's a great idea, Matt. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> Accomplished. Look at that. talked about some scripture addresses anxiety and there's one that does it pretty explicitly i want to throw this out here and see what you guys think about it cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you first peter 5 7 after what we just talked about cameron you're totally right in this ministry struggle do we when somebody says hey I am dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. Is is the call, do is it a call to repentance? Hey, look at First Peter. It says to cast all your anxieties on Him. Have you have you done have you done the casting yet? Are all of them? Sure. I'm doing cast- it wrong. Yeah, have you, have you casted them into Mordor? Is it is it completely? Yeah, is it t- totally destroyed? You know, but I, I so. <laughs> I think I think for for that scripture the one thing our father does not want us to do is read that and feel like we haven't met some kind of mark where oh the anxieties in my life I haven't given them all to him so now I feel bad I think the enemy wants us to go that direction I think one thing that's important here is that having anxiety is assumed in the scripture it's not saying if you have anxiety, give it to the Lord. It's saying, let's reverse it. God cares for us. Give him the anxieties that you have. It's not saying if, that some people have it, some people don't. All of us, all fathers, our mothers out there, all of us will encounter anxieties. And then we, we, we at that point, give it to God because he cares for us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to help us through those struggles, the emotional ones, even the clinical ones, to because he cares for us, to help comfort us and guide us through those. So I, I think the important thing about that scripture is to not see it as um, you haven't met some mark, but that anxieties will happen. We should give them to the Lord, but they will happen. We shouldn't count ourselves out. And then... 
Psalm 56, same thing. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? This is another assuming that there is anxieties there. There's that fear and afraid. When I am afraid, I put my trust Mm -hmm. in you. That there are these emotional states that we can get into of fear, helplessness, um, that stress and worry that will happen. I think that's a guarantee. And then what do we do with that? We, We give it to God. We put our trust in him, praise his word, trust in him, and then we cannot... We, we should not be afraid because then the reality is of that worry. What is that worry about? Is it worry of some kind of physical harm? That's where the psalmist, what can flesh do to me? It is, it is God, his sovereignty, his, his control over, over the world is, g- gives us confidence and gives us um, the ability to um, not be afraid. When we were looking at first Peter, uh, five casting cast your cares your anxieties on him it's interesting the the context of that the verse well in the in the uh christian standard bible it says humble in verse six it says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god so that he may exalt you at the proper time casting all your cares on him because he cares about you there's this sense where i i think and and my wife has made this very clear in our discussions about anxiety because she, I think, struggles far more with the more just minor um, emotional anxiety side of things. She um, She's a worrier. And uh, she will admit when she's objective about it that a lot of times it's a it's it's almost a prideful controlling thing. She wants to be able to control all of the things that stress her out, but she can't. And I think in, in first Peter, he's saying here, humble yourselves under the Lord, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. We, a lot of times get anxious about things uh, you know, when I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. I don't trust in myself. I think a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times our anxieties can be rooted in um, this self-sufficiency where we think we've got to be able to handle everything. We've got to be able to be a, to, to pick ourselves up from our bootstraps and figure it out. Whereas God says, no, humble yourself under me, cast your cares on me, trust in me. And I will care. I will take care of those things. I think that's a really constant theme in the scripture of, uh, what's your anxiety. I think it's so often rooted in, Man, I've got to figure this out. This is on me. But we're dads, <laughs> and we're 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 husbands, and we're leaders, right? And, yeah. And our, I, I think our culture teaches us this too, because I mean, I am only a little bit younger than you guys, um, and I think, I mean, let's be honest, 
was your dad not like the sole provider in your house or how I don't know your guys's backgrounds, but like in my house, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My dad yeah. was the provider and my mom didn't work until like we were all in school and she was like, I'm bored. I don't want to be at home anymore. Like, so there's that like pressure to do that. Also, biblically, we're told as husbands that we are to lead. Right. And so we go, well, I, I have to lead. I have to do this. I have to lead my family. And if you ever feel like that's slipping away, it oh, just yeah. Yeah. It can wreck you. It's so crucial in those moments as dads to remember the one who has charged us to do these things has promised to equip us to do them as well. Uh, he's a good father. When we when we tell our kids to go do something that they can't do very well on their own, like I, I think of my my son, his one chore that he's supposed to do by himself is uh, is take the trash cans in from the road. And uh, they're very heavy and they're very large. And sometimes he has a hard time and a few times he's needed some help or, uh, you know, I, or my two-year-old who I, I asked him to, to help me clean up and, <laughs> you know, like he, he can pick up a few little things and put them in, in the basket, but I'm not expecting him. If I ask him to help, if I ask my two-year-old to help me clean up, I'm not expecting him to clean the whole house or I'm not expecting him to do, I know what he's capable of. And I'm going to fill in the gaps. And I think, I think God's a lot the same with us. Our, our Heavenly Father has asked us to do certain things, but he knows what we're capable of. And he knows, there's a psalm that says, he knows that man is but dust. And he's going to fill in the rest of the gaps. Resting in that is, is huge. There is some specific perspectives that God does give us to help us overcome anxieties kind of shifting our perspective. And I made four notes about those. Um, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6 when he says, you know, look at the birds and consider the flowers. If we focus on what will last eternally, not focus on material, um, you know, that's kind of where the, that sole provider of, you know, oh my gosh, how am I going to get food on the table if I don't work? Jesus helps us shift that perspective and focus on the eternal rather than the material and the immediate. And I think that's one one way to help. And another one is to focus on his faithfulness. Not only does he want us to focus on the eternal, but also how faithful he is in the immediate, that he does provide for us. He is there. We find that in Psalm 56. Also knowing that he relates to and comforts us in our trials. He's been there. He's felt it. He knows it. And First Peter five seven, Philippians four six through seven. Um, I got I, I recorded a great quote from Timothy Keller. He said, "It takes pride to be anxious." I think that's an expression. I think we we're just talking about this. Some of these these things are an expression of our pride when we internally start creating these anxieties because of that pride and um, idea that we got this under control and it is our responsibility. We lose sight of the eternal. We're losing grip on God's faithfulness, and we are forgetting that He's been there and He knows how to comfort us and knows what to provide for us. Those are all expressions of our pride, and then they cause those anxieties. 
but then also serving others, it, get, getting that perspective off of ourselves and getting out of that pride bubble and serving others in love and sacrifice breaks that perspective of that immediate and that material and helps us see that, I think, more eternal view. So Matt, you just shared how uh, God can be a help to us when we recognize that, oh man, I'm, I'm dealing with some anxieties. I'm, I'm worrying about some things. Some of it might be rooted in pride. And so um, inevitably we reach this point of, okay, so this is my fallenness. This is my sin rearing its head. And so what do I do about it? And I've been reading a book um, that I highly recommend to every believer. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. The subtitle of the book is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And it's it's on a number of top 10 lists for this year that just came out because we're in December now. Uh, of course, I didn't get it after the list came out, so I didn't really realize what a gem it was. Um, just saw some recommendations on on Twitter from some pastors, and it has been incredible. It has been um, just a a uh, jewel for my heart and my soul because for me, my sin weighs heavy, and so often I find my anxieties landing in in these in these swamps of. God can't really love me through this and forgive me from these things. And so I know I'm not alone in that thought and that doubt uh, and that worry that comes. But I wanted to read just a little bit from uh, chapter one in his book. And he, he says here right at the very beginning, in the four gospel accounts given to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters of biblical text. There's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. And the whole book is centered on this one passage from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, which reads, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I've heard that verse, that passage, lots of times. I've taught from it. I've thrown it in a sermon. But to know that this is the only place in all of Scripture where Jesus basically, uh, I think at one point he, he describes it as he, he opens up his chest and shows exactly what his heart, what what animates him as God in the flesh is that he is gentle and lowly, and then he kind of unpacks those two words, and he shows the few different occurrences in the New Testament where gentle shows up and where lowly shows up. And basically, the uh, what he pulls from that is that the posture most natural to Jesus is not a pointed finger, but open arms. So I'm I'm reading these passages from Scripture 
with kind of this uh, ex- expansion here from Dane Ortland, and it's just blowing my mind, and it's it's in many many times causing me to just set the book down and cry, just recognizing that no matter what anxieties I'm facing, Christ is so equipped, and not just equipped to handle those things, but his greatest desire relationally, personally with me as his adopted son is to be gentle towards me and to be lowly. And lowly basically is this idea of being accessible to his people. And so um, it's just, uh, again, it's an incredible read. I, I highly recommend it to anybody who feels like uh, a sinner or a sufferer, which it, those who are dealing with anxiety certainly would fall in that camp of of sinner or sufferer. And then one last thing that I wanted to share is, um, again, from chapter one, where he says that this is not who Jesus is to everyone indiscriminately. This is who he is for those who come to him, who take his yoke upon them, who cry to him for help. And so I love the insight into the heart of our Savior, uh, specifically today as we're talking about anxiety and how it can wreak so much havoc on us as dads, as fathers in the home. One great conclusion uh, Dane centers on in one of his earliest chapters is that when we recognize our place of, whether it's pride, anxiety, you know, any kind of sin, he says that that is when Christ is most near to us. Whereas we normally think, at least I I always find myself believing that while I'm sinning right after I've sinned or as I'm considering my sin against the Holy God, I feel like that's when Christ is farthest from me. That is not scriptural. Scripturally, that is when he is most near to me and draws most closely to me as um, my savior. Wow. Hmm. What a beautiful thought. Oh man. I, I think that that really helps answer two questions. One, what should we do when we're anxious? But two, how should we then act when our children are showing anxieties or fear or overcome by worry or even just dealing with their own sin, do we come to them with gentleness and lowliness and redirect them to those perspectives we were talking about of let's focus on what's eternal, not the material and the immediate. Let's focus on God's faithfulness or even as a father, my faithfulness to you. I'm not going to let you fall. Let's walk across the street. I'm holding your hand. Look at this. See? Mm -hmm. And that we are there. We comfort in the midst of those trials and use it as a way to serve. We, we can be gentle and lowly when our kids are experiencing that. But I think for ourselves, uh, a lot of our heart needs to be oriented in that direction so that we can help also reorient our kids in that direction yeah well the goal as a parent is of course like um we're just this like 
very awful and terrible surrogate of what God yeah. is. <laughs> like we're just we're we're this this tiny hint of all the great things that he is. And so the goal as a parent is to constantly be pointing them to him in whatever way possible. Um, and that, yeah, seeing us trying to understand the heart of God in our own lives can be the example to our children. And that, uh, that's such a, yeah. And I remember us talking about this in the shame episode, um, mm-hmm. the episode before this of when the kid makes a mess, do you point at them and say, look at your mess, look what you've done? Or do you send your son in sacrifice? There's the background there and go into the mess, help them with it and not make them feel bad afterwards because they made, yeah. they made the mess and it was their fault, but you clean it up for them and help them, you know, instead of creating shame, do we enter into that gentleness and lowliness with them, comfort them, and not back away and distance ourselves and say, you know what, you need to manage this on your own. You you need to get this. This is your own struggle. I'm not going to be a part of it. dealing with my anxiety there's a couple things i've read and done one of them is this great john eldridge book um called get your life back um and he wrote it at a period in his in in his life where he was overwhelmed by the church and the ministry and didn't just felt like he had no time for anything and then you know he was snapping at people and stuff like that um that, that i think we do with our kids he wrote this uh there's like this order too one thing you mentioned is you know, like getting down and cleaning up the mess as the parent. Um, And he has this great paragraph I want to read that is about whose job it is to care about (laughs) the anxieties. Um, And this is based on, you know, what's written in um, Matthew 6 that we've already talked about. Uh, He says, worry is only one of a hundred things that burden our souls. Genuine concern is just as dangerous, maybe even more so because it's grounded in something noble. Your concerns for your aging parents, a sick friend, a people group, a cause crying out for justice. But what about loving? What about caring? How is it right to just let things go? Quite simply, because you are not God. You cannot save the world. You can't even carry it. Um. This has been, uh, that paragraph wrecked me when I read it, um, because I think uh, with all those, like with the anxieties, with being a parent, with trying to figure all that out, it was so much about me, so much about me. And just like, these are the things that I need to do. And these are the things that I need to change. And these are things that are happening to me and not even stopping to consider like, oh, wait, you don't have to worry about that. It was actually right after I read this that I deleted my news apps on my phone. Wow. Motivation. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Follow up know. question. So is it wrong to be anxious then? So this is a, <laughs> a good question. Ian, did you want to go first? 
I, I, you know, I think that not pastor should give an opinion and then we'll hear what's right. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so what, I, what I'd love to say about that is like, I've, I've always heard like that, that worry can be a sin. Um, and it's probably in scripture somewhere, but I can't pull that out of my head, but, <laughs> um, that worry can be a sin because we're not allowing God to do his job. Um, so like, I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like that can, that in cases it, it really can be, we can let it become a sin for sure. Mm-hmm. It, or it, it would be wrong to be anxious. Mm-hmm. So I would say when it comes to anxiety being sin, um, there's two passages of scripture that I think of. Um, one is uh, the one that I have dealt with, with my wife quite a bit is where Jesus says, do not worry about anything. Um, I think that's an explicit command, though. I think maybe not super helpful to think of it as a command uh, maybe it's more of a um, a way of Jesus trying to tell us, you know, the way he wants us to, to okay, it's a command. But anyways, uh, <laughs> trying to think of another synonym for command. Uh, the other, the other passage that I know that I know, I know that uh, the other one is whatever is not done from faith is sin. In, in the book of Hebrews, hmm. uh, you know, is it sinful to experience anxious feelings or anxious thoughts? I don't think it is sinful to have those thoughts come your way, those feelings come your way. But in that moment, you have a choice. We all have a choice to do with it something we, we, we can... And if whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin, I don't see how you can stew in anxiety in faith, right? Almost anxiety might be the yes. opposite of fear uh, or of faith. Exactly, you know. Um, and so I think there is definitely um, Martin Luther made a quote. I quote him a lot because he's one of my heroes, but uh, he said, I can't control the birds from flying over my head, but I can keep them from making a nest in my hair. Hmm. You know, anxious thoughts are going to come. Anxious feelings are going to come. They're like birds flying over our head. Um, But when we choose to let them make a nest in our hair, that's when we have given into sin. Uh, and we're not trusting the Lord with them. Um, and that's, you know, it can be a sin, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. So then you need to go to see your barber <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you got birds making nests in your hair, not, it's not a cool look. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Good. That's a good word. Um, Brando and Philippians four, six and seven is, Maybe, maybe for me, maybe the best thing to look at scripturally, where it says, "Do not be anxious about anything," 
which like Brando just quoted Christ saying, don't be anxious, you know, do not worry about tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a command there. Um, but, but then certainly wrestling with that, well, I'm a dad and I'm worried about something. Is it, is it a sin to kind of have that responsible concern or worry? And I love how you answered that. Well, let's respond in faith when those concerns come and those worries come because we're told don't be anxious about anything. And then the very next words from Philippians, Paul says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the greatest part of um, giving our anxieties to God isn't just that he cares isn't just that he can take them from us, but he takes them and then gives us something back. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we can't understand things, right? So our understanding is failing, which is basically why we're anxious about something or worrying about something. And guess what? God's peace, which he uh, freely gives to us when we make our requests known to him, God's peace can kind of, like you guys described earlier, fill that gap of, but I don't know what's going to happen to my sons. How are they going to grow up? Well, God's peace surpasses my understanding. The things I don't know, the things I'll never know, God's peace is there to to replace my my anxious thoughts and my worry. Yeah. Two great things jump out to me from what you just read and talked about. In that passage, it talks about Thanksgiving. So there is this, there's this part of gratitude that comes into that requesting help from God is it's like, look at what you already have too. Um, uh, everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. There's an appreciation in that request from God, an appreciation for what you already have or what you know he will do to give you peace. Um, but also this relates directly back to that Matthew six, which I mean, it ends with, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Um, just thinking of, you know, you asking like, can I have peace about tomorrow? Can I have peace with what I don't understand the unknown? And that goes right back to exactly what, what Jesus was telling us in Matthew six. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this brings up a, a really important question. We we touched on it on the the beginning of the episode and with the story. But we're talking about a spiritual battle. But at what point does anxiety cease uh, from becoming a emotional and spiritual battle and then become a mental health problem, a condition, a clinical, a diagnosis that is separate from this battle, this expression of our pride, this lack of faith. And I think the way that we want to look at it um, as a, as a clinician, as a nurse, um, my one sentence explanation is if those thoughts are interfering with your work, your family, and your daily activities like showering, bathing, buying groceries, making dinner, you have a problem. And that problem needs to be addressed by a mental health professional. Now, where the, the, the gray comes in that a single sentence can't help you with 
is when it just interferes a yeah. little bit. Well, it just makes it makes my relationship with my spouse a little harder. Or I can buy groceries; it just takes me thirty minutes longer. Or I take a shower, but I take two more at the end of the day because of my you know obsessive thought or wh- whatever that that little bit may be. And my guidance there is when in question, seek professional help to help them figure out what is clinical and what is not. The least thing that could happen is that a professional says, you know what, I I think we don't have a clinical condition here. Let's look at other avenues of just helping retrain your brain to work work through these issues a little bit easier. Let me give you some tools. And then if it's more on the the clinical side, they may say, let me let me give you some maybe more some bigger tools and maybe even medication to help you overcome these. Um, but when we talk about a spiritual battle, you know, a, a, a thought of, you know, feeling shame or feeling anxious because you're worried about being a, you know, providing for your family, your job, what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, friends that, you know, um, maybe have, you know, said something about you or rumors, whatever it is that it, and it bothers you, but you can still carry on with family life and go to your job and it's not stopping you from those things. Um, I think, I think that's, that's where the line is. So one thing I want to make really clear is as we're talking about anxiety and clinical, um, diagnosis of anxiety is I don't want anyone to walk away from this podcast and this discussion hearing a call to repentance, that they need to live better, they need to be more holy, they need to act better in their lives. Um, I think Job's pseudo-friends give us a really good example of this, and they claim that Job was secretly sinning, and that's why all these bad things were happening in his life. And I don't want anyone to walk away from this not knowing that their God is ready and willing and close to them to hear them, comfort them, and give them peace, regardless of the sin, regardless of the anxiety, and regardless of some mental health diagnosis. He is there, he is present, and this is not a call to improve your life and be better tomorrow, because that is a weight that we cannot bear, because Jesus has already, he has bore that for us. We do not have to worry about that part. touch on that, that you talked about Matt um, uh, you were talking about sort of being on that line and, and seeking help I, I'd say th- the first place to go is I mean whether it's a medical professional or counselor someone who can guide you in whatever that direction is um, which is something that, that I did um, I I went and sought help I saw a counselor first um, 
just another person who knows tons of people who have dealt with this sort of issue and can guide me towards you do or do not need medication or here's some things to try. And um, I also talked with you a lot, Matt, since uh, I work for your coffee shop, you'd come in and we'd have some chats. Um, and that was, um, it was a good time. Cause I really appreciated like your medical advice side on that. And, and it really helped me walk through some of those decisions. Um, at this point, I have not gone on any medication uh, based on, uh, advice from my counselor, but also how incredibly stubborn I am <laughs> and, and, and strong-willed. Like, really, I am an incredibly strong-willed person. And so I was determined to really give other options a good try before just being like, I need medication. Um, because I know that this, this, this can be a very serious issue, but also part of anxiety is sometimes you can make it bigger than it is. And I kind of need some outside opinions on whether or not I was doing that, you know? Um, so some things that you can do, um, if you're the type of person that is really good at self-education is books like this, John Eldridge book, great book, because it puts you in a position where you're going, I need this time with God and I'm learning about what that is in my life and how to take it. And he has a great app that goes with that. Um, again, his book is get your life back. And he has an app on your phone called the pause app. And his book teaches you how to take moments out of your day to just meditate in the presence of God. And it's really great because he works you up. You start with one minute, then you can go to three to five and eventually 10. And you can kind of pick the one that really best fits your schedule, but just taking that daily, I'm going to take three minutes right now. And it's a bit repetitive, but in a good way, because when you start doing it every day, then you find yourself at your job thinking of those words that you were hearing in the app and it's biblical truth and you're repeating them to yourself. And that's what your mind is on. And we know that it's, that it's true um, through all sorts of medical studies, what we think about the most is what is reinforced in our brain. Um, another thing that I did was um, some of you may or may not be very familiar with uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Uh, she is a um, communications pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist from South Africa. She has uh, a YouTube channel, Instagram, wherever you feel like looking into her research um, she did tons of research starting in the eighties and the nineties, specifically with people who had brain damage. And she had this theory that the mind, our, our conscious thought processes can actually change the brain. Um, and through her studies, she has proven that this is absolutely true. And she has this incredible app called switch. It is a subscription service. Um, that you have to pay for, but uh, it's um, what she does in the switch app is something called the 21 day detox. And it's taking toxic thoughts, whether that is a broad subject or a small subject, like it could be broad, like anxiety, or it could be small, like um, I'm always angry at my kids. And you take this toxic thought and through the 21 days, you literally give it attention and help that part of your brain that is toxic physically die 
and replace it with a reconceptualized new thought that takes place that is a positive thought. And it's not just like, oh, I need to think positively. It is literally retraining your brain to when your trigger happens, you no longer go down the path. It's a lot like taking the Grand Canyon and trying to divert water out of it. You literally would have to either fill it or dig a whole new trench somewhere. And that's really hard to do because when when our brains, like the water flows where the water flows. And if you have a deep groove, it's going to go there. And that's what those toxic thoughts are like. Um, And through her research, she has proved that the human brain has neuroplasticity. It means your brain can change and God designed us that way. And something that I find so incredible about this is she says, um, no matter what neurological or uh, psychological impairment you have, deep intellectual thinking can change your mind. And if you're thinking in a negative way, your brain changes towards negative. And if you think in a positive way, your brain changes in that direction. And I found it so interesting um, that, you know, the thing we think about the most and what we dwell on changes our brain. What I was doing when I did this 21 day detox, which I'm about to start my second 21 days here starting tomorrow, um, is when I'm reconceptualizing these toxic thoughts, I try and fit God into the reconceptualization as often as possible. And part of that comes from things that I'm reading in scripture or even just reminding myself of his promises as that reconceptualization happens. And this has been incredibly life-changing for me just in the last 21 days and what I've done. So like if you're one of those dads who, especially if you are not, if you have not crossed over that threshold into like, okay, I definitely have clinical anxiety. This app can absolutely change how you live your life um, because it can tell, help you take those little things that haven't gotten out of control yet. And you can take them and you can help that part of the brain that is negative, that is toxic, physically die and replace it with healthy thoughts. Um, And I think the thing that I think is so incredible about her work is that she's a believer. And when you hear her talk about this, she's talking about how we were designed. She's not saying, hey, evolution brought us this way and we can just make our brains better. She's saying, God made you like this and, and God wants you to be able to give your brain health and you have that ability. And especially through connecting that to, to his scripture and really meditating on that and reading and memorizing scripture, you can have um, tools in your bag to use and to, uh, to grow with and to become a better, more healthy Christ-centered person. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing your resources and tools. And I, I hope that it is helpful to any listener that needs that today um, we'll post a, a link to the apps you mentioned and the books uh, mentioned in the podcast today in the show notes yeah I know that will be um, a blessing to many dads out there so that's a great great resource
Okay, guys, we're going to talk about Can't Let It Go, the section of our podcast where we talk about something that we just can't get off of our brains. So I'm going to go first. Uh, The Chosen series is a streaming series about Jesus that you can download an app on the app store of your device. And let me tell you guys, I saw some like YouTube videos being shared and some social media chatter about it. And I was not... uh, not too excited. Another, you know, religious series that's probably going to get something wrong and that's going to make me roll my eyes. I felt the same way. You've, yeah, you guys been there, you know. <laughs> and then, I, <laughs> and then I watched it and I fell in love with it. Holy moly, that is such a good series! I'm so excited about season two and whatever seasons else come out. I love the artistic freedoms that they took that were also well grounded in. It wasn't just a, let's see what um, new things we can add to the scripture. It was more of the scripture doesn't give us the whole story. So let's do our very best to interpret what really kind of would happen if you were standing there. And man, I tell you my, if I have one thing that is going to be my very favorite about the series so far is Matthew. And this has nothing to do with my name. (laughs) I love that he is has like a um, it's like a, a autism on the spectrum somewhere, and his attention to detail, his emotional kind of like distance from everything, and um, the way that he was being um, utilized and almost used by the Roman government, and then when he converts over to um, following Jesus. And just the 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 backstory of who who Matthew is as a tax collector, and then the um, the way that he interacts with the the other disciples. Man, I just I love it, and I I, I can't. I, I think I'm going to watch season one again um, because I, I really enjoyed it. And um, there was moments when I was tearing up, and um, it's just it is a phenomenal series. I ended up supporting it. And um, I hope that you guys, if you haven't seen it, you'll take the plunge along with me and know that it's not just a, it's not cheese. It's not a cheese factory, and it's also not, <laughs> her, her, you know, heresy. I think that it actually is quality, really high quality produced series about Jesus Bro, that you I will enjoy. I so much with you in that assessment. Uh, yeah, I felt the same way about that show. I, initially, I was very skeptical. And then I watched it and cried in every episode. Dude, Nicodemus, wow. that that storyline about Nicodemus and that episode yes. where John chapter so 3 awful. happens, man, yeah, that just blew me away. My can't let it go is far less spiritual than that. <laughs> Oh, mine is too. So Though I, I will say, I, like I said, I completely agree with Matt and his assessment of The Chosen. It, uh, we watch, We've watched season one multiple times now. Uh, Marianne is also obsessed with it. But uh, my obsession has been Star Wars The Clone Wars. <laughs> I for whatever reason, I... Uh, we were talking earlier about the Mandalorian and how I haven't seen the second season because I've I've heard hints that there were <laughs> characters coming back from the Clone Wars, and so I have 
basically finished watching the entire sh- sh- show of the Clone Wars. This is like yeah, the animated one, yeah. right? Oh man, like, hundred and and there are some things that are not good about uh, it. There are some. I will say this: I I found a website where someone said these are the essential episodes, and yeah, I'm go. working my way through that. The filler, like they skipped the filler for me, so uh, I skipped probably half or more of the episodes. But uh, uh, there's there a lot go. of really like it's a great. I mean, if you skip. The filler episodes. It's a really great show. It's very, uh, uh, it's a lot of good, uh, fun stuff in that show. Yeah, that's been my, uh, can't let it go. I, um, I just finished it this last week and I feel like I lost a friend because it's over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why you need to start Mando 2, my friend. Yeah, it's can um, it's canon. The Clone Wars is yes, so, it is. Um, so that's kind of cool that George. Those Rebels. Yeah. I mean, Rebels is great. I'm about to watch that for the same reasons Brando has touched up on his Clone Wars before watching. See, I've been I've been debating whether I should go to Rebels now before I do Mandalorian, but I feel like I've got to do Mandalorian because I'm going to get it spoiled left and right. And I'm sure it'll be better than than Rebels. Okay, my can't let it go is an album from an artist named Silicone Boone, and this artist released an album in 2019 called Reaches. And this guy is amazing. He basically has he he used to be Amish. Um, I don't know how that's. Now that's relevant, but it's cool. He's he's ex Amish. Um, his entire album is powerful, and what it is is basically it, it combines the Christian themes of resurrection and our our post resurrection life and flourishing into the reaches of space itself, and it's it's really really cool. The the song reaches on the album. Um, I can't read the entire thing to you because it'll take a few minutes. But the way that it captures like Christ's resurrection and us being joined with him in his resurrection um, when he returns. And then the fact that all of our chains are loosed and we go out into the endless unknown and we rise shameless and we basically explore the vast reaches of God's creation and all the trillions and billions of stars and lights echo and hum and then basically saying that we as as descendants of Abraham are those lights just burning and blazing and humming uh, the glory of God for all for all of eternity some some pretty awesome stuff in that album. Highly recommend it. Bro. Sounds deep. So I'll take your Star Wars and I'll make it <laughs> spiritual. Bro. I've already added that album just, to my iTunes now. I will be able to sing to it. My Can't Let It Go and Matt's and smashed it together. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll bring it I'll bring us back home with something stupid okay. to it. So my can't let it go is something I discovered today. Um, 
<laughs> this is so stupid. I can't wait. <laughs> so, um, there is this, um, there's something called um, Blob Opera. It is a machine learning experiment by David Lee in collaboration with Google Arts and Culture. All you have to do is Google Blob Opera, and uh, I'm going to play a little bit for you guys. Um, it's I'm going to try and describe it. You basically have these four little, like, squishy little people on your phone. They look like, well, blobs. Um, and then you make them sing by dragging them up and down, and they har- they harmonically match each other. So um, <laughs> this is going to sound fun in our microphone here. I could do this for hours. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I'm just, but I'm like being, being someone who is a music and theater major. I'm like, I can make this make sense. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm already lost, guys. I think I might be homeless by next week because I'm my job from the Congo. So, yep. <laughs> there you go. Go check it out. Blob Opera. It's for Blob everyone. Opera. Oh, and you I know what? It. I'm going to. I'm. I'm going to. Uh, next time I see Quest, I'm going to just hand her my phone with this mat, and I'll be like, you know what? Just go do this at your house. <laughs> what a what a wonderful gift this Christmas. Thank you for listening to Abba Father. If you were encouraged by this podcast, please share it with others or review the podcast so that more can see it when they're searching for God honoring parenting resources. And remember, dads, Romans 8 15. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. See you next time. Hours. I could do this for hours.